Welcome, everybody. We are so glad that you have joined us today for the end of our Why We Do What We Do series, and it is great to be with you at our Oak Ridge location, and I want to take a second to say hi to everybody at our Kernersville location, everybody joining us online. We're glad the gang is all here. Yeah? Great. Hey, listen, if you get to know me, uh, you're going you're gonna to get to know the fact that I love, I love food. I love good food, and I, and I love going to new restaurants. To me, it, it's, it's exciting. It's an adventure, new restaurants. I, I mean the kind of stuff that, again, I'm not big on chain restaurants, or really I'm not, uh, unless I'm traveling, and then Chick-fil-A will be my jam because, you know, that gets you from point A to point B. But when you get to your destination, right, I love new restaurants. You know, kind of the, the diners and drive-ins and dives. They should do a show on that. <laughs> that, that would make a great one, right? It would probably go a long time. Uh, love, love stuff like that. But what do, you do? what do you do when you find a new restaurant and you have a great experience? I'm just going to bring you into it. What do you do when you have a great experience at a brand new restaurant? You're so excited. You're so passionate, right? What do you do? What do you automatically do? Other than say, we've got to come back here, and next time I want to try that, and I want to try this, and I want to try that, you know? Yeah, what do you, what do, you do? You automatically tell your friends. You automatically start sharing this with people. Well, the next thing you do is that you start taking pictures of the food that you ate, which is kind of odd. Can you imagine 25, 30 years ago, those of you that are, are young enough to experience and remember that? Again, you remember, you never see people taking out their cameras, you know, and taking pictures of food. But now, if you don't have a picture to show it, then it didn't happen. And so you're taking pictures, you're sending it, you're posting, you're tweeting, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. I know that's a big part of it. But you tell people. You tell people, you got to try this. You got to come here. You got to experience this. Why? Because when you're excited about something and when you're passionate about something, it's normal. It's natural for you to tell other people and share it with them. It's true for food. Here's a leap it's true for your faith, too. Really is. It's a normal thing, it's a natural thing when you're passionate and excited about what you're experiencing in your faith journey to share that with other people. Whether it's inviting them to church or sharing a faith experience that you had. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know, dude, isn't that kind of like off limits? Isn't that, isn't that personal? I mean, to, I don't kind of keep that kind of stuff to myself, and I'm not sure other people want to talk about that. You know, the world we live in. You know, isn't there a line there, and you just don't cross that line? You just don't do that? Right? No. Here's something I mentioned a few weeks back that I want to come back to and unpack just a little bit. Here's the truth. is that faith is personal, but it's not private. And there's a difference. Faith is personal. In fact, I don't know, I don't know anything more personal than your connection and relationship with God. But it ain't private. It's not private because you're encouraged. As we will see, you're actually encouraged to share that with other people. And it's not private because you're going to automatically live out what's inside. I mean, with rare exceptions, from time to time, there will be rare exceptions, but 
more times than not, people live out, over time, if you watch them, they live out what they believe. Because what's inside, and Jesus even taught this, what's inside eventually comes out. You stick with people long enough, and you pay attention to what they think, and you pay attention to the decisions they make, and you pay attention to what comes out of their mouth and how they process the world. Yeah, what's inside will automatically get lived out. So you got Jesus inside. You got God working in your heart, in your life, doing things here. Automatically, that's going to eke its way out and ooze its way out into what you think and say, what you do, the decisions you make. So yeah, yeah, I know it's personal, I get it, but gang, it ain't private. Never meant to be private. Those lines that we draw, they're superficial. We put them there. They're never meant to be there. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, see, see, that's just a deal, man. I hear you, but nobody knows. Nobody knows that I'm a Christian. Nobody knows I go to church. Man, if I were to say anything about God, the people I work with, their mouths would hit the floor, man. Because, see, I got, I got to do the Jesus thing on the weekend. I'm here. <laughs> I'm watching online. I'm here. I do the Jesus thing because I got the Jesus. I get Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my heart. Jesus. Right? And, 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 and I'm driving down the road. I listen to that music. I just, oh, I can't live it up. And all oh, this is so good. But, you know, when I step out of the car and I get to work Monday through Friday, I mean, I got to leave. There's a line. There's separation of church and all that other stuff. There's a line, and I just got to leave that stuff. I got to leave Jesus back at the house. Jesus got to stay in the car. No, see, I don't think that's the way it works. It's not the way it works. And so if you're thinking, yeah, yeah, nobody knows, they'd be so surprised if they found out I'm a Christian. They'd be so surprised if they found out that I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, that's a whole different issue altogether. But the fact is, even though it's personal, get over it, get over it. It ain't private. It's not meant to be private, never supposed to be private. So stop treating it like it's private. From the very beginning, the very onset of the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus and his kingdom work on earth, which that is the mission of Jesus, you and I need to understand that it has always been primarily a person-to-person-to-person-to-person kind of thing. It's always been that way. From the very beginning, person to person to person. I know there's other ways. There's other ways of mass media and all that kind of stuff with technology and all that. But still, you boil it down. It's a person to person to person to person to person thing. And, and that's not going to break with you. That's not going to stop with you and your faith. And I just like, you know, and I just, I'm real personal and I'm introspective and I try to keep that stuff to myself. No, 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 no. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's always been, and you can look at Jesus' disciples and see how it all got started. It started that way, and it continues to be that way, person to person to person to person. In Jesus' original group of followers, his 12 disciples, I mean, that, that's how a lot of them came to follow Jesus, is that Jesus would look to people and say, hey, you follow me. But there were others that were there because someone else told them. Andrew told his brother Peter. Both Andrew and Peter were disciples of Jesus. And Andrew told his brother Peter, Hey, hey Peter, um, I, think, I think we found the Messiah. 
I, I think he's the guy. You know that guy we heard about? Yeah, 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 I, I, I met him, and you got to come. you got to come meet this guy. Two other disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. Philip told Nathaniel. Nathaniel was skeptical. I don't know. I know where that guy, I've heard where that guy's hometown is, and I'm not sure if anybody, you know, like the Savior of the world can come from that part of the neighborhood. And that guy's, no, I, I don't know, I don't know. No, but Philip told Nathaniel, said, Nathaniel, I think we found the Messiah. I think, I think you got to come check it out. you got to come, and sure enough. A little bit later on, Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, get this. He threw a dinner party for all of his friends that he used, and all of his cronies and all of his business associates that he used to be so closely connected with as tax collectors. Yeah, he, he threw a, a dinner party and, and made sure Jesus was there because he just wanted them in the same room with Jesus. He didn't say, you know, it probably wasn't some heavy-handed kind of thing. He said, will you come to dinner? We're having the Savior of the world over and <laughs> would like for you to meet him. No, no, he just made sure Jesus was there. And they get in the same room with Jesus. Jesus just does his thing. Yeah. So it's always been a person-to-person-to-person thing. Let me give you some other examples. One day Jesus was in Samaria, and he had a conversation with a woman in Samaria by a well. Now those are some significant details. The fact that Jesus, being Jewish, is in Samaria is a big deal, number one, because Jews and Samaritans, they don't... They don't vacation together. They don't do lunch together. They, they're not even friends on Facebook. I mean, if, if you're a Jewish person and, and you were friends with somebody from Samaria on Facebook, I mean, you, you got ghosted quickly. <laughs> Just do your research, and you'll see that's how it happened. So Jews and Samaritans, they didn't mix. Jesus is Jewish. He's in Samaria, which is a big deal. And he's having a conversation with a woman, another big deal. Because the, the, the sex differences, you know, men and women, women were seen as, unfortunately, seen as property then, and, and uneducated, weren't, they didn't go to school, they didn't, so it's just this hierarchical crap that Jesus came, by the way, and, and he set that stuff right, and he attacked that stuff, and he, he did so much to address that. But be that as it may, Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman, they had an interesting conversation. John records it. Fascinating conversation. And in their conversation, this woman from Samaria began to realize, wait a second, this is not just some guy from, from the Judean area that, that's up here, you know, causing all kinds of gossip. No, this, this is a different guy. And Jesus actually said to her, I'm the one that God has sent. I'm the Savior of the world. I'm the Messiah. When she began to clue into this, she freaked out, as, as any of us would. This is what happened. She went through the village and saying, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see, come and see, come and see. Person to person to person to person. Now, now Jesus didn't tell her everything she had ever did. She's being a little dramatic here. People tend to do that when they get excited, right? Now, even with food. This is the best I've ever had. No, probably not. You know, it's just, oh, he told me everything I ever did. No, no, he didn't because he didn't have that much time with you. And you've done a lot. But, but he told her enough for her to know this man sees straight into the heart of me. 
He knows me. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Yes. So the people came streaming in from the village to see him. And then they did, person to person to person to person. And when they came to see Jesus, then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. You see what I'm saying? Person to person to person to person. Let me give you one more example. One more example in Jesus' teachings. When he was teaching a parable, and we talked about parables before. In fact, this past summer, we did a whole series on some of Jesus' famous parables, most famous stories. And so Jesus would often talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In fact, that was his most popular subject. That's what he talked about more than anything else was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's why he came. That was what his mission was about. So he's telling another parable on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus uses this analogy. He said the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And he describes a man throwing a great fancy banquet with awesome food, a great celebration. He said the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like this man inviting people to his banquet. And the man says, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Time out right there. If you're in the first century, you would not invite any of these people to your banquet. Those are the people that got left out. Those are the people that got overlooked. Those are the people that you're like, nah, you probably don't want them. Nah, that's not the people you want at your party. But this guy said, I want you to go. I want you to go. In fact, he went on. He says, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. Woo-hoo, be careful. And urge anyone you find, anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like that. You go out and you find anyone and everyone and you invite them. Anybody, 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 even the ones that no one else would invite, even the ones, and sometimes especially the ones no one else would think should be there, you go, anybody and everybody, anybody and everybody. Listen very carefully. What Jesus is about is inviting anybody and everybody, anybody and everybody. It's what our church should be about. Anybody and everybody. Come, still today, person to person to person to person. Now, in the first century, obviously, that was word of mouth, Right? Because they didn't have technology, and then there wasn't even a morning paper of papyrus rolled up at your door. No, it's not one of those kinds of things. No, no, it, it was always a word of mouth. Now, today, we have technology. Today, we have all kinds of different ways that we communicate, but still, it's driven primarily person to person. Because you use technology to communicate person to person, right? It's called texting. Still, that's person to person, even though you're using technology. It's an email. That's person to person. Unless you're one of those fun people that do the group emails or the group texts. Yeah, you're special. Stop it. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't like that. None of us do, really. You're the only one. If you're sending them, you're the only one that likes them. I'm just telling you, stop the group texts, stop the group, and stop replying all. Please, thank you. Let's come to Jesus. It's person to person, person to person, just, 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 right? just say it to the people that need to hear it. Person to person to person. It's still 
whether it's text, it's email, your messaging, your sharing, your posting, all that kind of stuff. So why? If it's always been a person-to-person thing, and it's anybody and everybody, as we begin to process in this why we do what we do series, why then do we, get this, there's a method to the madness. Why do we invite people, whether it's to church or to, to experience what we experience in our journey, in our faith journey with God? Why? Why do we invite? Because we're followers of Jesus, and Jesus invited everyone. Pretty simple, huh? Yeah, that, that, that's the bottom line. This is why we invite, because Jesus invited and welcomed Everyone, and that was the, one of the most controversial things about who Jesus is and who Jesus was then and still is and what Jesus was all about. It's so controversial. It's one of the things that angered the religious leaders of his day so much is that he just, arms wide open, sure, you come, you come, you come. Yeah, I know what you did. Yeah, but you come. And he went, yeah, I know what they say about you, but you come perfect. You, 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 all of y'all. Anybody who come, y'all come. Even those that were rejected by the religious establishment of his day. Sinners. Yeah. Matter of fact, that was Jesus' reputation. Oh, that guy that claims to be the savior of the world? Oh, that's the guy that eats with sinners. Jesus was like, yep. And your point is, that's why I came. I didn't come for people who got it all together. I came for people who need God. Yeah. People that religious system of his day spit out sinners and poor people. Poor people were overlooked. Poor people were seen as a burden on society. Sick people. Back then, get this, back then if you were sick, you didn't get invited to the party because it was automatically assumed that what you got, we could get. They knew that much about medical science before medical science. It's like before the pandemic, we were still doing this, right? Kind of thing. And there were no testing. And there was only, hey, could you wear a mask? It was none of that kind of stuff back then. It was just. And so back then, it wasn't just like, hey, could you wait two weeks? Back then, it was just like, no, you're not even invited. Let me take it one step further. We don't have time to really go here, even though we kind of tip around it a little bit with the Samaritan woman thing, but in the first century, women were not included in the religious system because they were seen as less than. And what did Jesus do? Some of Jesus' closest followers were women. In fact, guess who the first person that Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead? A woman. Guess who was going out with the news to the disciples? A woman. Jesus did more, and there's so many examples. Jesus did more for the equality of women than any leader before or since him has ever done. Bottom line is, it's anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, man or woman, what your status is, what your economic situation is, what your background is, whether you're, you know, the... Sinner or a sinner, sinner. No. Anyone and everyone. He welcomed people just as they were and began to work in their lives just as they were. Just as they were. And helped them become who God created them to be. See, with Jesus, it was an everybody's welcome. Not an anything goes, but everyone's welcome. 
That's a, that's a key distinction. Jesus was never like, oh, it don't matter what you think. It don't matter how you live, and it don't matter what you believe. No, of course it matters. Of course it matters. But everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome to bring all their baggage and all their stuff and all of who they are and who they ain't and who they want to be, who they're trying not to be. Come on, bring all that up in here. I can handle it. We can deal with it. We will journey together as we become more and more who God truly wants us to become through Christ. Yeah, it's everyone welcome, and, and, and still here at the summit. And, and every church ought to be this way. Every stinking church ought to be this way. And I don't know why. How long is it going to take us to figure it out? Everyone's welcome. But it doesn't mean anything goes because we follow Jesus. And that is a specific way. And everyone's welcome. It doesn't mean anything goes. You say, well, well I, want it. I want where anything goes. Okay, you can have that. But you can't follow Jesus and have that. Because Jesus is very specific, very specific. And he welcomed everyone to follow him in his way. And the interesting thing is Jesus went way beyond just inviting people. Jesus was an inviting kind of person, the way Jesus treated people. He was a welcoming kind of person. When you spend time with Jesus, when the people that no one wanted around spent time with Jesus, they ended up wanting to know more about who Jesus was and spend more time with Jesus. Right? So, so when they got close to Jesus, they wanted to know more. I wonder, I wonder. If the same could be true for us, as followers of Jesus, Jesus' is kids, right? And they spend time with us. I wonder if it makes them, as a result, want to find out more, know a little bit more about this Jesus that you follow, that I follow, and that we say we follow together. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's an everyone, anyone, everybody can come. And today, Jesus still welcomes people just like that. Except now he does it through people like me and you. He does it through people like me and you. That's why you and I should never underestimate the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation to someone. A personal invitation to say, hey, would you come to church with me? Or hey, would you, would you come to this experience with me? Or hey, you got a second because I'd like to share with you something that happened to me. And maybe, you know, and I see what you're going through and I see what you're facing. And I'm just, I'm just saying it's powerful. Never underestimate the power of that. As I get to know people here at the summit and, and meet them, and hey, I almost always ask the question, hey, where did you, where'd you find out about the summit? How did you find out about the summit? You, know, you can drive by and see a sign. You can stumble across it online. You could just get caught up in the traffic and just go where the next car in front of you is going, and you're just like, where is that? I'm at a church, what? And, and kind of thing, and so, yeah. But 75% of the time, and we do the math, and it almost always comes up to be around 75% of the time, Everybody that's here at the summit are here because somebody invited them. 75% of the people that are here because somebody told them. Somebody invited them. It was a person-to-person-to-person thing. By the way, if you're in that 75%, which 75% of you are? Have you ever taken the opportunity and the time to thank the person who told you? To thank the person who invited you? To reach out, to say, hey, by the way, I don't think I've ever told you, but thank you for letting me know. Thank you for inviting me because... God has done this, God has done that in my life, and, and we've experienced this in our family. Thank you so much. That would be a great conversation for you to have sometime. Send them a card, send them a text, send them an email, and just say, hey, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for including me. Thanks for letting me know. Because you never know. You never know the impact that it's going to have in someone's life. You don't know what God's doing in their life. You don't know how God's working in their life. Never underestimate the power and the timing, the divine directed timing of, of when you, I mean, how many times have, 
Have you and I had that experience? I mean, they had no idea what was going on in my life. And then they asked me this question. They had no idea what was going on in my life. And then they told me this. You had no idea what was happening. But guess what? Your Heavenly Father did. And He can divinely orchestrate conversations. Never underestimate the power. You never know what God's going to do in their life and how God is working in the timing that is almost always directed by Him. Yeah, guys, it's an everybody, anybody. Never underestimate the power. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because Jesus invited everybody. Now, let me give you some, just some pointers, okay? Because there is a right way and a wrong way to do this. There is some, <laughs> there's good timing and bad timing. Let me, <laughs> excuse me, let me give you just a little bit of a, a pointer here on what to listen for. What to listen for, what to look for, what to pay attention to. When you're having a conversation with someone, maybe there's someone that you work with or somebody in your family, somebody in your neighborhood, and you'd really love to invite them to church. You'd really love to invite them to experience what you're experiencing. And so here's some things to look for, to listen for. If somebody is new, period, if they're new to anything, perfect opportunity. They're new to the neighborhood. They're new at work. They're new in your classroom. They're new to the area. Perfect opportunity because you know when you're new, you just don't know. You're trying to figure out everything. You know, I know you're new. I know, I know you're new. And hey, listen, and I don't know if you, get, you guys are church going folk and church going people. I mean, in the South, you can still say that kind of stuff. We live in the South. So you could say, hey, just wanted to let you know your family is always invited with us and you come to church with us. Or, or however you want to have that conversation. If somebody's new, hmm. Or if they're going through a life transition. Somebody just graduated. That's a great opportunity. That's a life transition. They just got married. Hey, all right. Hey, you guys go to church anywhere? I would love to invite you. Or here's the deal. Oh, this one's huge. If they have a baby, especially baby number one. Because you remember that? Most people, right? I would say most young families start attending or get interested in attending once their first baby Start showing a free will. Age two, those kids need some Jesus. What are we doing? I can't go hang out with the boys. You can't just go hang out with the girls this weekend. We got to get this kid some Jesus. They're too much like your family. <laughs> and we'll invite them too. But, man, yeah, people, it is what it is. It is what it is. Don't feel bad about it. Just embrace it. Somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that you work with, having a baby, say, hey, listen, our children's ministry are off the charts awesome. Your kids would love it. And you get an hour to sit in a dark room and just, and if you want to fall asleep, you can. <laughs> One of the reasons why we keep it loud. You can wake people up. Anyway. Yeah. Life transition. They get a new job. Or they lose a job. Which brings me to the third when someone that you're wanting to invite and include faces a problem, yeah. crisis, tragedy, personal, financial, relational, they, they, going through a divorce, they're struggling with depression, they experience a death in their family or close to them. Those are perfect opportunities. Not to say, hey, you know what will fix that? Some Jesus will fix that. No, 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 no. Just say, hey, listen, I know you're going through a difficult time right now. I just know that in key moments in my life, when I've gone through similar things, what I have found meaningful 
is and you share with them. And maybe it'll help you too. And just know if you're interested, I'll go with you. I'll help you. I'll journey alongside of you. And I'm here any way that I can possibly be to help you. See, those are key opportunities. And you know what? It could be that there are people in your life that know you go to church, that know you follow Jesus, who wonder why you ain't never said anything to them. Maybe they're looking at you going, why, why, why did they invite me? Why doesn't she say anything? I know, I know they own that love first shirt. I know that's a church shirt. They accidentally wore that to the office, and they didn't know they had it on. Maybe everything else was dirty. I know, that, I know there's something. Why don't they ever invite? Why don't they ever say anything to me? Yeah, you never know, you never know. And you might be thinking, not me, man, not me. I'm an introvert, and I don't, I don't know how to do that stuff. I'm not trained. I haven't been to a class. And what if they ask me a question that I don't know how to answer? I mean, oh, okay, I don't know about that. Here's the deal. You're overthinking it. You're way overthinking it. It's really, really simple. And, and we, do, we do everything we can at the summit to make it easy, as easy as possible, right? And we can't make the ask for you. But when, when you ask and you invite, we do everything we can here at the summit to do all that we can with them in mind. We're constantly trying to process through the lens of a first-time person. Through a the first-time person, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what's going on. So much of what we do is process through that. So we're thinking of them before you get them here. Yeah. Before you invite them. And so you just invite them. And see, you've already won them over to yourself. Get this. You've already won them over to yourself. They've come with you. Now, we take it seriously here at the summit. We'll, we'll win them over. We'll, we'll, we'll treat them so many ways they're bound to like one of them. <laughs> and we'll win them over. Hopefully, then, we, we introduce them into an environment where Jesus will in, win them over to himself. You see, I can't do that for people. You can't do that for people. That's a work of God's spirit. And he will win them over to himself. What I wish we could do, I wish we could be, and I'm a bottom line kind of guy, and I like things simple, and I like things clear, almost to a fault sometimes. I wish we could just come up to people in our culture and say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus with me? I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm following Jesus. Would you like to, I, would you be interested in having a conversation about following Jesus with me? Isn't that kind of like, isn't that the ultimate? Because, see, that, that is the bottom line. Because Jesus did not say, attend me. He said, follow me. And so attending church is not the end. <laughs> the goal is following Jesus. And, and wouldn't it be great if we could just come up to people and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Would you like to follow Jesus with me? But that's, I understand that's a little heavy for most people. I get it. And I understand we have to kind of, so it sounds a little bit more like this. I'd like to invite you to attend church with me. You see, and that's so much more PC, right? I'd like you to attend church with me. Yeah. That, it's that simple. Hey, hey, would you come to church with me? And if you need to sweeten the deal, take them to lunch. Food always sweetens the deal. Here's the deal. And if you hate it, I get it. At least you get a free lunch out of it. Right? Take them to lunch. Take them out to eat and just, you know, and if they're hesitant and they're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't know, it's just weird in church and I've got bad experiences. Okay, okay, we have, we have a tool that, you know, 10 years ago really, really didn't have like, like we have today. And a lot of churches now are leaning into this, especially because of the pandemic. But the summit, we were in the online space long before the pandemic. So this is just kind of old hat for us, but use it. Our online experiences 
Invite them to church online before they attend in person. Do you know that most of the people that I talk to now, hey, how'd you hear about the summit? They say, well, we've been attending for three months online. Really? Last week, I talked to two families, two new families, and both of them said, we've been watching almost every week for six months. <sighs> Talking about trying before you're buying. <laughs> Talking about that's a test drive that just won't end, man. I mean, come on. Give me the keys <laughs> or buy that sucker. Drive off a lot. Whew. But that's okay. That's okay. And some of you watching online right now, you're in that. You're like, yeah, this is our first week. This is our second week. This is our fourth year watching online before we. That's great. We're glad you use that as an opportunity, right? It's, and maybe watch with them. Watch with them and talk about it together. Question is who do you need to invite? Who do you need to begin? A conversation with, about, joining you. Family member? A friend, a neighbor, a co-worker? Yeah, make that a matter of prayer. Maybe that, maybe that dad or that mom, you sit in lawn chairs for hours a week at a ball field. You talk about everything under the sun. Right? You already have that relationship and that connection. Just invite them. Say, hey. Uh, we got much more comfortable chairs at church. Why don't you, you know, give it a shot. Give it a shot. That's normal. That's natural. When you're passionate about what is going on in your life, make it a matter of prayer for God to direct you, for God to show you. Say, man, why? Great question. Because Jesus invited everyone, and we follow him. Everyone, anyone, never underestimate the power of an invitation. He now, Jesus now invites through us. That's a mind blower. Through you. So let him. And by the way, it's just too good to keep to ourselves anyhow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for including us in your mission, for inviting us to experience it personally and bringing life change to us and so many of us, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. We, our lives have been transformed from the inside out by the work of your Spirit. And our lives ain't perfect. We ain't perfect. But we're becoming new people because of you. Giving us something worth living for, something that matters, not just now, but for eternity. And Father, it is normal for us to want to share that. And so help us to just naturally share. Not over the top, not obnoxiously, not, but just natural. Just in asking people to, to join us, to journey with us. Show us who that needs to be. Show us and give us the opportunity and then the courage to make that invitation and may we never underestimate the power of what you can do through a simple invitation like that. Thank you for those who included us and invited us. And thank you that you invite everybody. May we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.